field, people will come. And it doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. Welcome to White Sox Business, a podcast about Chicago's Southside baseball team hosted by me, John Greenberg, and James Fegan, who is not, I can confirm, a candidate for White Sox manager or pitching coach. Subscribe to White Sox Business on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And check out James's and my work on The Athletic as well. We have a special $1 monthly promotion right now at theathletic.com forward slash Southside. So James, what's new? Uh, did you get the answers you were looking for on, on Jimmy Lambert's health today? It took a delay, but yeah, eventually. Uh, three, a couple of weeks from now, he'll be on a throwing program and it'll be the middle Lambert child will be back in action. Uh, you know, th- the thoughts and prayers are appreciated. I was, listen, like I said, we've, you and I wrote about Rick Renteria a ton in the last few weeks, you know, and I was moved to write a column from when they were in Cleveland on just the bullpen disaster that happened there. And, you know, like one thing I wrote, listen, I don't know a lot as people, as, as listeners of this podcast know, but I do know that for as, you know, nitpicky as fans get about managers' decisions, the guys in the front office booth or the seats or wherever they are, are absolutely worse and they're operating from they're operating at a different level like they still complain like you know whatever but they really have like a long list of stuff they don't like about no 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 matter how good the manager is front office has their complaints and i knew after that that rick's clock was ticking after that series i just didn't think the alarm would go off uh today yeah there was um, some sense that it was certainly a bad stretch, a bad three weeks even, but there was a sense or an expectation, I thought, that um, when cooler heads prevailed and when the dust settled, uh, you know, the flight landed home from Oakland, there'd be a bit more of a, you know, this is, this was just like, you know, one you know, bad stretch tactically, this is his first uh, playoff uh, endeavor, he'll learn from this. Uh, we're still going to fall back on the, the the culture of the team that we tout mm-hmm. time and time again as being the overriding thing, and you know the level of preparation he puts to everything. And yeah, he makes goofy moves, but he always has decent explanations for them post game and the type of stuff that Rick said in the past. So he actually spent the first you know a couple minutes of his uh, presser talking about how it wasn't about those reasons and how it wasn't yeah. about what happened down the stretch. Whatever. And then he also said, like, well, what do you want from a manager? It's like, well, someone with playoff experience. Well, why would they need playoff experience, do you feel, Rick? Like, what What of the last few things happened suggested that someone wasn't experienced enough? Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I have definitely, uh, you know, watched enough playoff games with baseball people to know that they, they freak out about pitch count uh, um, just as much as anyone else. But, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was not a good sequence. And, you know, also it was probably a year – as difficult as it was, where maybe some of the things he hung his hat on about team culture, maybe that's getting exposed a little bit when, you know, you Dallas Keuchel's uh, rallying the troops um, in August to kind of get them out of their funk and really what launched them on their hot streak, you know, not to, you know, attribute winning streaks to team meetings. Uh, and I don't love that level of analysis, but, you know, that's something that happened. And, you know, Jose Abreu saying they took the, the their foot off the gas, um, you know, after they clinched their playoff spot and kind of put themselves in a difficult situation. And then, you know, a lot of uh, 
a lot of rookies have been great all year, uh, seemingly tightening up in the big moment in in the playoffs. This is not a lot of things, not a lot of evidence to suggest that everybody was in the perfect mindset uh, all season long on top of all the, the tactical hijinks that you are kind of account for. Yeah, I mean, it's also like, how about this? It was a... V- I mean, listen, it's difficult for these guys to do these press conferences and because and, they're not going to tell you the truth. He's not going to – Rick's going to be like, well, these are the problems I had with Rick Renteria <laughs> over the past few years. Let me let me list them in order and trash this guy on the way out because they're all there's – a, there's a level of tap dancing you expect. I thought Paul Sullivan did a great job saying like, what the heck does mutually part ways mean? <laughs> like why – why you, Ricky didn't mutually say I'm not a good manager, right? And like the same thing with Coop and then Don Cooper who was also let go. And then there was this, Rick kept talking about these conversations they've been having for years on, on, in a weird way of how this is going to work. Like there was like a vague degree of like soothsaying, like we know the future. Uh, so this is what's going to happen, Rick. We've, we've seen the future in our crystal ball and we're going to fire you. Um, what the heck was he talking about with these conversations? I don't really know because at the same time he said, and as he's said in the past, that they had backed them. There have been questions before this. There were questions right. in 2018 about, uh, is this the guy long term? And they had, you know, vouched, like said, absolutely freaking lootly on the record and off. And, and almost, it, right. And almost like insulted that you asked. Right. Uh, like that it was, like it was some weird attacking angle to, to ask. So it, I, I definitely think that there was some sort of, you know, change in the past month or the past couple of weeks, or there's definitely something that that pushed them over the edge, that, or they felt was no longer workable. So I, I, I don't. It's and Ricky himself said that this was not the plan uh, to have yeah. him step away. So I, I don't think it was anything like uh, you know when we get to this point when we go 35 and 25 in the shortened 60 game season two years from now uh, we will reach the idea that we need a new manager and you know hire aj hinch because he's going to be available due to a cheating scandal like that that, i don't i don't think it was that sort of um plotted out right and that that was another weird part where he's saying like oh no no we've talked to rick about how this is going to work but we know we didn't expect to fire him and no it doesn't have anything to do with what just happened and the way we lost like there was, was a, like a level of like, I don't understand what the heck they're talking about. But at the same time, I do By understand. By design, what, they didn't really seem to want us to know what the heck they're talking about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing a lot. But at the same time, like who's surprised they fired Rick Renteria? I mean, it's not like you fired, you know, this great manager and this like unbelievable guy who's been here forever and has had so much success. Rick Renteria, unfortunately for him, is, you know, is looked at as the point A to point B guy. You know, and I think we were all kind of just, there was a sense, and I think too, you know, because of what happened to him with the Cubs, there was a sense that they would follow that blueprint like they did with the rebuild and that Rick Renteria would be replaced. And that was the thing that Han and, and Kenny and everyone always seemed so irritated about when you would ask, right? That like, how dare you suggest that, you know, we're just keeping him as a seat warmer. Han literally said when they clinched the playoffs that he was happy for Ricky to maybe get somewhat removed from that. Notion that he had gotten that sort of rap in this town, and that this would be a nice payoff for him to to kind of have this playoff team that he is helming. So, and that was, you know, with a week and a half left in the season, essentially. Yeah, so it's very uh, very strange. Uh, Like everyone, it's like when uh, you know to bring it back, not to bring it back to the Cubs again, but like 
when Swaim, I think someone, I think it was Sully asked Theo Epstein, you know, what's the deal with Swaim's contract for next year? Is he coming back for sure? And Theo kind of tap danced around it. And then he got mad that it was made into a story. And then he revealed to us that, yeah, he'd been, he knew he had like a talk with Swaim about like in mid season about this and that surprise, the firing shouldn't have came as a surprise. So these guys do kind of get in their, uh, in their heads a little bit, you know, about what they're saying and what they're actually saying. Yeah, and I, I get some part of it is like they really genuinely like Ricky and they don't want to do anything to poison the well for him going forward. I don't think – I can't imagine – I mean, I don't do know. Tigers wrong. are wacky, but uh, I, I, I'd be probably unlikely that he gets another managerial gig, but I don't think it would preclude him from being a a bench coach or uh, some sort of no. assistant on a, on a rebuilding team and they wouldn't want to you know do anything to kind of suggest everybody be hands-off from him for that. Do you think Rick Hahn was uh was annoyed with the World Baseball Classic explanation? <laughs> I, I, I had I hadn't thought about that since the night I wrote it. Um it, it probably didn't wasn't what he wanted to hear. That was absolutely like I like you said, I'm glad he said it because it was actually like the most introspective part of like him explaining his decision was you you know, using this example. I do think no offense to the World Baseball Classic, which I think is always fun to watch. I do think when you're in the playoffs, using your World Baseball Classic experience as reasoning for a move you made is not the best move for any future managers out there. Like, no one cares what you did with Team Mexico versus Team Canada. Sorry. I mean, Dane Dunning, seven starts into his career, um, is basically like, you know, past his prime. Marco Estrada, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. the best part about that story, that game, though, is that game is only is only memorable because of a massive brawl that one of Ricky's uh, pitchers started. A brawl that spread to the fans, like in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> so was, so was it Larry Walker with the quote of "I saw Satan in his eyes" or something? Yeah, <laughs> he was holding back one of the guys. He's like, "I saw Satan in his eyes." That is a juicy World Baseball Classic quote. If I've ever if I've ever heard one. James, let's take a little break and then we'll be back. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying, or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind-the-scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. All right, let's move on for a sec to the other big news. And how about this? We're asking like, hey, I think Cheryl Cheryl raced out. I was like, oh, what about some other coaching, you know, other coaching moves? He's like, oh, yeah, we fired Don Cooper, who's been. Yeah, like 12 minutes into the presser. That's wild that he waited. That Coop didn't even get a press release. Coop's been here since 2002. I mean, he's been in the organization longer. Right, since like 87, I think, right? Something like that. Eight, is, I think Something, it was late I mean, he's, He was in player development for the longest time, which is, you know, maybe a preview of what they do in the future. But uh, I think he was there 15. I, I was looking at the, the one where he got promoted over Nardi Contreras, and I believe it said 15 years he'd been in the org. 
Yeah, I mean, he had his fingerprints on a lot of, like, breakthroughs. Um, 1988. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, 87. I was born the year before. Jesus, James. Yeah, uh, um, I mean, I think it's on one hand, like, how can you... How can you shop for, you know, Hinch or other level or, you know, they're talking about themselves as a World Series contender and that's where they should. And that's where they're shooting for their managerial job. How can you reasonably say, hey, you, you got to take on Coop, uh, you know, such a guy. I, I don't think you really could. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a major it's a major step for him. They tried to kind of downplay that, you know, that there's a, you know. They've moved towards analytics for years now, and it's not just like, you know, a coop dictatorship and pitching development or anything like that. It's not like going to completely upset the apple cart, but like, that's that's a major, major thing. Well, you've been, I mean, you've been writing about the changes that have been going on in the pitching development. I mean, you, it basically kind of seemed like Don Cooper wasn't exactly the first call that was made when every decision was going on, right? I mean, like, Look at I mean, what he it covered said. Such a activity <laughs> where he was right. not involved. Yes, right. Like the whole Michael Kopech thing. He sounded completely out of the loop. You know, you go back to Chris Sale when Coop said Sale was going to the bullpen on like someone's serious uh, radio show, and then they had to come back and be like, "No, he's not." Like it was obviously something they were talking about, but like, you know, it doesn't always seem like Coop recently has been. You know, he's in the inner circle, but maybe not. You know, running the show. For yeah, not like absolute final say of like complete def- direction of where pitchers are going and stuff like that, and you know how Michael Kopech's opt out is going to be uh, handled and, and whatnot. And obviously, the stories of uh, someone at the major league level having a major turnaround or some sort of breakthrough—that's all about some bullpen session with Cooper. Um, you know, that's that's not become a very common story uh, of the last no. five to ten years. Um, I don't think it's, you know, so many players have uh, their own private coaches and their own private stuff that they do that I don't think it was specifically a, um, you know, a knock against them for Giolito to have his big turnaround uh, without him. And certainly both him and his father both talked about how good Coop was on the mental side for that. But right. um it, it it wasn't having these kind of mechanical or arsenal breakthroughs uh, at the major league level anymore. And yeah, that's not necessarily a huge negative, but it's no longer this, uh, you know, he's irreplaceable type of situation. Right. And Coop was always known for that, right? That was always his number one strength besides teaching the cutter was uh, the mental side of things. And I think that goes back to, you know, even the, the heydays of, you know, of 2005 and, and that era, they always said that Coop was great on the mental side. Right, and a lot of times the mental side is what's holding people back from throwing For strikes sure. consistently, and you're not seeing a lot of the young guys who are struggling to throw strikes consistently start throwing strikes consistently. Yeah, no, I mean that's a that's a great point. It's this is a big change. Who do you like? And when I you know I asked Han about it in the Zoom call, I was my my original question was the Aussie question and the Hinch, uh, Cora question. I had a little two parter plan, James, and then uh, Jesse bro Jesse Rogers asked it and that's when when rick answered all those questions so i i uh i switched i switched it up um what who do you think when han answered it he said you know don't discount people inside the organization who do you think gets it from inside the organization um 
I think that's specifically referred to Everett Tiefer and Matt Zaleski. I would probably lean towards Zaleski a little bit because he's more the traditional like pitching coach and Tiefer has kind of such a wide impact on um, uh, the organization's like overriding mm-hmm. pitching philosophy. At the same time, major league pitching coach pays more than you know minor league pitching coordinator. So I think it'd probably also be about which one they pick because even if Tiefer might be more valuable as your pitching coordinator, you know, I, I, I imagine it'd be hard for him to say no to that kind of opportunity. Well, no, of course, James, no one takes the minor league pitching coach job and said the major league pitching coach job. What are you talking about? Right. It, yes. Literally never happened. Uh, Matt Zaleski also fits because he was drafted by the White Sox. Yes. But I think he's, you know, y- you could probably run through half the staff uh, currently, at least the internal guys, and um, have them say something about how Matt Zaleski helped them at some point because all those guys who passed through Winston-Salem and, or Kannapolis and dealt with them. Um, he, he's someone who you see adding, not doing these huge overhauls, but, oh, yeah, Matt Zaleski showed me his grip on the changeup. Oh, Matt Zaleski cleaned out my delivery a little bit. Oh, Zaleski and I, he gave me a little key right. that helps me get me right. He's kind and, of a guy and, who has that relationship Coop used to have with the staff, you know, you know 10, right. 15 years ago. It's great, too, because he was in the 2004 draft. So the Gio Gonzalez draft, he could be, if they brought Gio back, he could be, uh, that, that draft would really have proven to pay dividends for the organization. <laughs> that, all right. I have, obviously today, through some of my predictions uh, out of whack, I, I feel confident in the Gio Gonzalez not coming back prediction. Okay. All right, let's pause right here, and then we'll finish up the show. Uh, give me some manager predictions then. Beyond Hinch? Yeah, beyond. I mean, yeah, beyond AJ Hinch. I mean, it sounds like. I mean, Rick was like laying on pretty thick with the recent World Series, uh, recent World Series experience. Maybe a name, you know, that's shortened. Uh, maybe he went to Stanford. Maybe he's currently uh, suspended because everyone hates him in baseball. Right. Who else? Um. I mean. By the same measure, if you're talking to uh, punished, suspended uh, for cheating at baseball, you know, Alex Cora is obviously very talented and very gifted. He did say he got asked another great good Cheryl question was like, are you know, they spent a lot of time talking about how good it was to have a bilingual manager with Rick Renneria. And he got Cheryl asked him about that, getting that again. And it was all like, well, it's important for someone on the staff to be able to communicate. Uh, right. It, it's important bilingual. when the guy we hire and promote is bilingual to stress how important it is to be bilingual. Otherwise, not that important. But yeah, it didn't seem like a big, oh, Sandy Alomar is now going to have this uh, big lead because of this uh, anymore. Yeah, that, All of that's a sudden, a good, it was a little deep, uh, deprioritized. That's a good name, though, because Sandy Alomar managed, you know, I mean, managed Cleveland into the playoffs. Not that, you know. Anything great happened, but like, you know, he did show, he did kind of get his experience this year that he's been looking for. And I know he, (laughs) he had a better final two weeks of the season than Renneria did. Seriously. You didn't, you didn't notice him (laughs) Isn't that when you're the interim. I think it's a good thing when you're the interim manager and people forget that, like the real, the the main guy's not there. That's a good sign, right? I noticed him high-fiving in the dugout after another Jose Ramirez walk-off, you know, night after night in Cleveland. He, uh, I, re- I remember actually when he was, when he didn't get the, you know, he was, we thought he was a candidate for when Robin got the job. Right. And I think they talked right. to him, but they never interviewed him. I believe like, I think they might've checked in on him 
And I remember talking, I was at ESPN, I was talking to Doug Padilla about it. And literally as I was walk, talking on my door on Damon Avenue, uh, Sandy Almar walked by me with a lemon bag because he lived like across the street in a really nice house. Um, but Blue lemon is what the kids wear nowadays. It is. Well, this was like 2000, like what, 11? <laughs> so kids are still wearing it. But uh, and then he did get the interview for the Cubs job and we talked to him. You know, we did we did those like weird. That was actually really fun when like they let us interview managers, the, pers- the, f- the final four perspective managers. We had like mock press conferences and someone joked that I screwed uh, Alomar up because I asked him about analytics and he was just like, it's important, but yeah, and they went into a whole thing about managing by your gut and, and experience. And someone's like, wow, you really fucked him there. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think he should be a candidate. They should talk to him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, why not? Um, it's funny you, you talk about gut because I ultimately feel like, you know, Renneria made reference to that too. Like you know, I, the numbers are important, but sometimes you have to go with instincts and observations and whatnot. And Sure, but when you go that route and we have to kind of trust your intuition, you know, the only real way to evaluate you is whether your shit works. And right. the shit wasn't working the last three weeks. And I, I feel like kind of if we're if we're trusting him to have intuition, um, what can we go off of other than the team kind of fell flat uh, at the end of the, at the end of his best opportunity? No, I wonder if Alex Cora goes back to the Red Sox. That's that was the first thing I thought when they let go of their their interim manager. Is that they because they seemed like they were really kind of like upset they let him go. And then the fact that like wasn't Dave Roberts implicated to who else was implicated that they just the team's just like, yeah, we're not doing that. We're not firing our manager. Was it Robert? I I don't think so. I mean I know people have accused the Dodgers of doing it. And yeah, people but I don't in baseball think was... have <laughs> I feel like someone didn't get fired. That was like, you know, in the periphery of that investigation. Hmm. Like the fact that like the Astros retained other part of their assistance, like Alex Cintron and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking about it too much. But, you know, I feel like they I guess, you know, Hinch had to go. Obviously, that was a no brainer. You know, decor have to go, I, I guess. But I, I felt like he was scapegoated a little bit of it. Um, I, I so I think he goes back to Boston. I think, and but they don't know when they don't care. Boston, like they could care less. Um, it'll be interesting to see who's who else is like besides Hinch they go to. I mean, will, will someone like Sam Fold, right? He was a popular name in the analytics crowd. Would he be someone they consider? Um, you know, I guess why not? I, is that like his goal to be a manager is ultimately the, the, I think the question goal. if he just wants to be a front office dude? I think everyone, if you're offered the manager job, pretty much takes it, right? It Who seems like it, it sucks from this angle. I don't know. <laughs> like, I know it's a lot of money. Right. And it's, it's not as good as it used to be because you just, the control is, it used to be, you know, the guy in control. Yeah. It you just know, seems you were like hell on earth. Um, right. Yeah. I hear you. But, you know, you still, I think these guys all, some of them don't want to, you know, like Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer didn't want to do it because they don't want the, they they like their job uh, stability. But I think there's a lot of people. Anyone that's put a uniform on wants to do it again, right? So who else would you? Who else do you think? Like who are other candidates around the league? I wasn't even like prepared for this. Yeah, I haven't thought it through much beyond the obvious signal. I mean, there, I'm sure there's like assistance that you could. Uh, 
peruse from all the top teams that are are noteworthy. Like, I mean, surely Dave Roberts is somebody on his staff of, of <laughs> renowned. I mean, I know the the Rangers just picked away Chris Woodward, but um, I don't know. What's Jose yeah, Valentin Bar- up to? Right, Josh Bard. Sure. Bob Guerin, his uh, Dave Roberts bench coach. How about Brant Brown? He's familiar here. <laughs> Great. Mark Pryor, pitching Another coach Mark get... Pryor. Um, yeah, I mean, he's having success. I don't know if you'd, you'd, you'd probably have to promote him to peel him away, so I don't know if that would necessarily be ready for that. Right, like Tampa Bay Rays uh, coaching staff. They've already say. had such a, a brain drain, I feel, though. Yeah, Matt Quattaro, the bench coach, you don't you don't see him. Yeah. I think that, he's pretty that, highly thought of though, actually. Yeah, I mean he did made the interview rounds last year. Right. Um yeah, I don't know. This is gonna be it I mean, Rick, you know, specifically said, and then when he got maybe a little annoyed because we kept bringing it up, but uh, they were gonna break out of their insular kind of philosophy. Like not just a guy that, that Kenny Williams liked as a as a player, you know. Yeah, the Kenny's, word Kenny's insular got to work out. It did. Um, and then I think at one point Han was like, yeah, I know some people have said we're being insular, but like, no, you said that. <laughs> like, that was your that was yours, and we just brought it up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, like I said, this is, you know, you and I aren't shocked, but at the same sense, the timing of it has thrown us for a little bit of a loop. And you and I need to get to work uh, working on our stories. So I think we'll... We will uh, shut it down here. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Please make sure to listen, uh, download us, like us, do all the little ratings things that help us. You know, share this with your friends. Feed us, clothe uh, us, feed us, clothe us. I guess White Sox business. We thought it was gonna be a sleepy time for White Sox business, and now they got us working again, James. Just when just when you thought we were out, they pull us back in. Well, at least I don't have to write just a thousand words on Jimmy Lambert's forearm. I have a bit more material. Yeah, save 750 max. Um, <laughs> all right, thanks everyone for joining us. We'll talk to you probably pretty soon with more White Sox business. Oh.